Hello and welcome back to another episode of Receiving Love. I'm your host, Erica Simone, a trauma-informed dating and relationship coach, helping single women heal unhealthy relationship patterns so they can attract the love they want. So if you're new here, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. I'm so excited to dive into our topic for this week. All right, so let's get into today's episode. So we're talking all about secure attachment. So if you've been listening for a while, or you follow me on all my socials, you're, pretty, you're probably pretty familiar with attachment theory. But I thought it'd be good for me to just give a little quick overview um, to kind of as we wrap up the overview series of attachment. So yeah, attachment styles, it dates back all the way to, 19, to the 1950s. Um, and this is a theory created by psychiatrist and psychoanalyst John Bowlby. And the attachment theory, what it basically, the premise of it basically is that our early relationships with our parents or caregivers will shape the way we perceived and act in relationships throughout our lives. That can be friendships, work relationships, or romantic relationships. And we see attachment stuff come up a lot in romantic relationships because after your parents, who you partner with, right, your significant other, they become the biggest attachment figure in your life, right? You're with them a lot. You're, there's a lot of intimacy. There's a lot of working through communication, et cetera. So it leaves more room for attachment triggers or issues to come up versus a work relationship. Okay. You see them, you know, you're maybe around your coworkers a few hours a day, then you go home or like you kind of have less stake in the ground because you're like, oh, after I leave this job, I won't see them again. Um, and the same with your friendships, like attachment stuff definitely comes up, but I think we put a lot more pressure on our romantic partners and our friends because we expect more from our romantic partners. We're around them more. We're doing life with them. Like if you marry them, things like that. And so it can just be a lot more triggering there's more intimacy with romantic partners and it just can kind of hit on those core wounds a lot more. So that's why I think we see attachment issues manifest so much in our romantic relationships. So there's four different attachment styles. We have um, secure attachment, which we're going to dive into today. And then we have three insecure attachment styles. So that's the preoccupied anxious, dismissive avoidant, and the fearful avoidant slash um, disorganized, right? Anxious attachment, we talked about that's like, you know, high fear of abandonment and rejection. Your tendency to get really clingy, codependent. You kind of are anxious over your partner's, you know, approval of you or they being faithful. And it's kind of like this can become like an obsession with your partner. And um, there's different process behaviors associated with that, like testing our partner to see if they'll stay or storming off to see if they'll run after you, all these kinds of things. And usually if you have anxious attachment style, it's because you experience caregivers that were inconsistent with their emotional availability or ability to meet your emotional needs, right? So they created this anxiety, like, okay, will they meet my needs? Like, will I be rejected? Like, Sometimes they're here, sometimes they're not. And so you just have this anxiety in you when it comes to attachment, relationships, love, and people staying around. And then you have a dismissive avoidant attachment, which gets a bad rep. Although just like any other insecure attachment, they have their own wounds and reasons for why they are the way they are. So people with insecure attachment are often the lone wolves. They have a tendency to be very hyper-independent, self-sufficient, often emotionally available, may have fear commitment, may have a hard time opening up emotionally, may shut down during conflict or run away. They kind of go more into the flight the flight trauma response, whereas the anxious goes into more of the fight trauma response. And the avoidant, their childhood looked like both parents who were pretty emotionally unavailable. So this taught them that their emotional needs won't get met, so they might as well not even have them. They might as well not even vocalize them. And so with all the integrated attachment styles, it's like you go into this protective mechanism, right, to protect yourself. The anxious is trying to protect itself by, from rejection by getting really codependent and clingy. The uh, fearful, uh, the dismissive avoidant is trying to protect themselves by having no needs at all and being a lone wolf and being self-sufficient, right? So it all makes total sense. And then the anxious and avoidant have a tendency to attract each other. It's like this toxic connection and we'll explore the anxious avoidant tribe. Yeah. And then 
You have this organized attachment style, where they're a little bit of a mix of the anxious and avoidant, right? So if a fearful avoidant is dating an anxious partner, they become more dismissive avoidant. If a fearful avoidant is dating a more of dismissive avoidant partner, they become more of the anxious partner, right? And so those of the fearful avoidant attachment style, they desire intimacy, but they fear it, right? And so that leads them to be hot and cold, push-pull dynamic. They usually have trust issues, insecurity, et cetera. And their childhood usually looks like, you know, they experience maybe a lot of abuse or witness abuse or addiction or just really toxic, volatile environments that created that fear, plus having emotionally unavailable caregivers as well. And so that's just an overview of the insecure attachment styles that we hit on. If you want to deep dive into each of those, then definitely go back and listen to those episodes. But now I want to get more into secure attachment, which is kind of the ideal, right? And so just kind of a few stats about secure attachment. Although it can seem like we're all insecurely attached or all have attachment issues, research shows that in Western society, around 66% of the U.S. population is securely attached. So technically, it is the most common attachment style, right? Because 66% of the population is securely attached. Um, people who have developed this attachment style are often very content from within, confident, social, warm, easy to connect to, and they're aware of and able to express their feelings, right? So they're very emotionally available. Um, they also tend to build deep, meaningful, and long-lasting friendships, right? And so secure attachment is really that balance that you really want, right? They're not they're not like the anxious who is so craving for relationships and becomes codependent and, and clingy, but they're also not like the avoidant who just avoids it altogether and, you know, is a lone wolf. They're right in that middle place to where they can be happy single or happy in a relationship that they're open to love they're vulnerable but they have they use wisdom and they have boundaries and they're not just you know falling head over heels head over heels for the first person that shows them attention right and so you know those are the with the secure attachment style they do really well in the workplace and their friendships and in romantic relationships right not to say that they're not perfect and that they don't experience you know their own personal growing pains when it comes to relationships but they don't have these kind of reoccurring patterns, these unhealthy patterns that kind of self-sabotage them in relationships the way that someone insecurely attached does. And so now I want to kind of get into how does a child develop a secure attachment? Like what are the ingredients that lead to secure attachment? So like the childhood origins. And so when a child is born, they automatically expect their caregivers to satisfy their needs, right? So the baby will use physical cues such as crying to notify the caregivers that something's wrong and they trust that the that their parent will take care of the issue. And so parents who raise children with secure attachment don't break that trust between their child. Of course, it's not that simple, but what it means is that consistently over time, the child is able to meet the, I mean, the parent, the parent is able to meet the child's emotional needs, right? The parent shows up when the child uh, uses some type of cue to show, hey, I have this need, that need gets met, right, by the parent. There's kind of like these five core conditions necessary for raising a child with secure attachment. And also I'm taking this from attachmentproject.com. So I just want to give credit to them um, for kind of like these five points. So the first condition that creates secure attachment in children is that the child feels safe, right? And this could be physical and or emotional safety, right? And so when you feel protected as a child, you feel safe, right? And so safety for an infant or a toddler looks like being close to mother. You know, she's a source of food, warmth, and protection. Danger means separation from mother, um, beyond the child's comfort zone, right? Of course, the baby's not around mother 24-7. There may be times where dad is, you know, giving baby a bath or they're sleeping or whatever. But, you know, majority of the time and when the child's awake, et cetera, mother is in close reach, right? And so a mother that's in t- attuned with the child's emotional needs, uh, the mother will be protective, but not in like an overwhelming, right? 
the mother will be protective but not overwhelming, intrusive, or ignoring, right? So she gives a child space and freedom to explore the world but stays close enough so that the child has a felt sense of safety, right? Obviously, it's not good if a mother is the ignoring type and never there, but it's also not good if the mother is super hovering and overwhelming because then it doesn't create, it doesn't give the child a sense of um, freedom to explore the way a child needs. It's not overwhelming. She's not intrusive. She's not, she's not ignoring. She's not emotionally unavailable, but she's also not enmeshed with her child. And if you are taking notes, then the second condition that creates secure attachment in children is that the child feels seen and known, right? And so a parent who is attuned with their child's emotions, and when I say attuned, it basically just means that you're able to anticipate, gauge, and correctly act on a child's needs physically or emotionally, right? And so like, for example, a mom is able to see like, okay, baby's going to wake up soon. I know they'll need me. So I'm going to go ahead in there and get ready to pick them up and nurture, nurture them, you know, love on them, et cetera. Our baby just fell. I know I need to go get them, carry them, tell them it's going to be okay. A misattuned parent would be, okay, a child falls, it get hurt, gets hurt, and the mom's like, you're fine, stop crying, like, you're going to be fine, or or, or misattuned looks like leaving the child to just cry it out and not going to comfort them or something like that, right? And of course, the scenarios change as you get older, but that's just kind of a few examples on top of my head. Yeah, so when a child learns that they can signal need and that they can expect a prompt, predictable, accurate response from mom, her parents is going to create, It's going. the child's going to feel very seen and known, right? The child's going to learn, okay, when I signal that I'm hungry, I get fed. If I'm signal that I'm tired, my caregiver will rock me to sleep. When I signal that I'm upset, my caregiver soothes my distress, right? So the child does feel seen, they feel known. Like, okay, I have this need, they know how to fill it. Or I have this signal, this cue, it's seen, it's dealt with, right? And so the third um, condition is that the child feels comfort, soothing, and reassurance, right? And so parents who really securely touch children, they create a sense of openness, warmth, and invitation with the child, right? And so when the child's distressed, they know that they can go to mom. They're going to receive that love. There's an open invitation. They don't have to feel anxious about it. They don't have to, you know, do some type of protest behavior to get it like through a tantrum or act up or, you know, they they know they can go to mom. They don't feel the need to isolate and be a lone wolf and deal with it on themselves. They know that mom is available and will love on them and not guilt them for their need or shame them for their need, but simply meet the need. Yeah, when child's distressed, they go to caregiver and the caregiver will reassure them and soothe the child back to a calm emotional state, right? And so helping a child do this type of emotional regulation and manage their distress and frustrations helps them develop an internal model of being soothed and comforted, Right. So some, and we'll get more to this later, but you know, with your nervous system as a child, obviously a child does not understand their nervous system, how to soothe themselves. So they're relying on the parent for that, right? So things that can help soothe the child and get them back to that ventral state of their nervous system can be kisses, cuddles, rubbing their back, telling them it's going to be okay, all those types of things, right? And so as a child is receiving that from, from mom, from dad, over time, they learn how to do that on their own, right? So they become very emotionally regulated and they know how to manage their own distress and self-soothe. Children who do not get this do not know how to self-soothe. So they grow up to be very emotionally dysregulated. Um, they don't know how to self-soothe. So they may act up or, you know, lash out, go to fight, fight or flight trauma response, all those types of things. But securely attached children, they know how to do this because their, their parents have modeled it to them, right? And the fourth condition of secure attachment is a child feels valued. So feeling valued begin, begins in infancy and it's foundation of healthy self-esteem development. Parents who raise children with healthy self-esteem um, express their joy about who the child is rather than what the child does. That is so key. Mm. They express their joy about who the child is, not what the child does. They focus on being rather than doing. 
this is very important because if you grew up with parents that only praised you when you got all A's or you did this accomplishment or you helped out around the house, et cetera, it's teaching you that your worth only comes from what you do. And that's how people grow up to be high functioning, like overachievers or always being the caretaker or always trying to be the hero because they've learned that that's the only way they receive love, right? And you can see how that obviously creates attachment issues and issues in relationships, right? But parents who create securely attached children, they, they express delight about everything the child does and just who the child is, right? So not focused on like chores and stuff, but on the joys of parenting. The child feels valued as just their being. And if you're a Christian, this is so modeled perfectly first in the Bible, where we see um, in Matthew where Jesus, he's just done getting baptized. And before he goes into the wilderness, God calls from, you know, God calls down from heaven and tells Jesus, his son, like, this is my son for who I am well pleased. And so we see right then and there, God gave Jesus that affirmation, that secure attachment and who Jesus was before he went in the wilderness or did any miracles or anything like that, right? He told Jesus, this is my child and who I, with who I'm well pleased. And it's like, because you're my child, I'm pleased with you. I love you. I give you my approval. I give you my affirmation before you ever do anything for me. I love you. I affirm you. And God does that same thing for us where he affirms us. He loves us because of who we are, not, not because of what we've done, because clearly we've all sinned and fallen short right? And so if our salvation was based on that, then we'd all be not in a good place. But by through believing in Jesus, all that kind of stuff, we get to experience um, eternal life and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, God is our father. He loves us and he approves of us regardless of what we have done, will do, what we're doing now. That's not an excuse to sin or like, you know, ex- you know, I'm not talking about hyper grace or anything like that, but it just lets you know that you don't need to earn love or try to earn his approval. And I know sometimes that can be really hard because if we grew up with parents where we had that kind of barter system or this earned work-based mentality, we sometimes translate that to our relationship with God, with people, etc. So I just want to throw that little disclaimer in. All right. And so the last condition for what creates secure attachment in children is that the child feels supported to explore, right? And so children need to feel supported to explore the world joyfully and safely, right? And so parents who champion this, they have a faith in their child and always provide them with safety, with a safety net, right? And so the child, the parent is there for the child, gives them room to explore and, you know, create their own independence and autonomy, and because a child has a sense of security in their parents, you know, if they succeed or fail or go through whatever while they're exploring, they always know they can go back to that, to that home base of their child, right? And so they have a good, autonomous, strong, and unique sense of self. And you see how that creates such amazing conditions for when they start to date later on, right? So where they're independent or interdependent, not hyper-independent, but independent, they have a strong identity, unique sense of self that's going to change the game for how they show up in relationships, right? People who don't have that are people who end up in relationships where, you know, they feel unworthy. So they're letting someone else define their worth or they're settling for less because they don't know who they are or they become codependent because they don't know how to be independent or they become hyper-independent because they don't think that they can rely on anyone. Although we're talking about, you know, the childhood conditions of secure attachment, we can see clearly how these conditions are going to create a person who shows up in relationships a lot healthier and a lot more successful, right? Because, because of their childhood, you know, as an adult, they show up in relationships, you know, feeling safe in who they are. They feel seen. They feel known. They know how to comfort and reassure themselves. They feel valued. They feel supported to explore. So they're showing up to relationships with all of that in mind. And that is the goal for all the clients I work with is to get this secure attachment place to where you're at a healthy balance of being interdependent, not codependent, not hyper-independent, but interdependent to where you have a sense of confidence and self-love from within to where you are emotionally available for love, but you also know how to have wisdom and boundaries and discern things properly, right? Where you know how to communicate well without being reactive or shutting down or, 
you know, trying to yell and just, you know, going to that fight trauma response, right? To where you're securely attached, you know how to regulate your nervous system and regulate your emotions and handle when you feel stress and self-soothe without being destructive, where you know how to be vulnerable with wisdom, with the right people, right? So where you're not looking for love or relationship to fulfill you from within. So where you're not being love avoidant, just avoiding love altogether to avoid getting hurt, but you're also not a love addict who needs to be in a relationship to feel worthy from within. So it's like getting to the secure attachment place. Okay. And now this kind of brings me into like, okay, you're probably wondering, okay, this sounds great. I wish I had this childhood, but I didn't. Or maybe you had some of it, but not all of it. Maybe you're anxious. Maybe you're avoidant. Maybe you're fearful of avoiding it. And you're like, okay, well now what do I do? And of course we cannot go back into our childhood and change things, but we can reparent ourselves now. And this through this, these tools called inner child work and reparenting, which is what I do with my clients. I won't go exactly into that whole process because that's something that we can explore in one-on-one coaching. Through inner child work, reparenting yourself, etc., you can become more securely attached. Now, there is a debate. You know, some people feel like you can never change your attachment style. Um, some people feel like you can, right? I know there is a term out there in the psych world called um, earned secure. So that's the term for those who maybe started off with the anxious, avoidant, or fearful avoidant attachment, and then you became secure. So it's like you earned it. I don't know how I feel about earned because it, it gives me, it's giving work-based, work based, um, but I think it's, it, you know, it's a pretty good starting point for just kind of, you know, that distinction. And so, I, yeah, it's up to interpretation. I don't think it matters about, you know, what we label, like if you, if you think you can fully become secure, it's, it's, it's all about being enough, right? So being secure enough in your relationships, being secure enough in yourself, being secure enough in the way you show up in dating, right? Because it's hard to like, if you've been through certain trauma, there may be triggers that come up or, you know, if you lean more anxious and you do all the work to become secure, but then you go ahead and date an avoidant, they're probably going to bring up your anxious tendencies again. And so I think like, it's also about doing the work, reparenting yourself, and then also getting with partners who help facilitate where you're trying to go and help facilitate your healing, right? Not that you're dependent on them, but there are certain type of partners that will or will not trigger your core wounds and bring out your attachment issues, right? And there's a book called Attached, which for like so many people have read. Um, <laughs> Amir Levine and Rachel S.F. Heller called Attached, The New Science of Adult Attachment and how, and how it can help you find and keep love. It talks a lot about this. Um, it gives diagnosis for if you're anxious and avoidant and like, okay, if you're anxious, avoid these type of men or these type of partners. If you're avoidant, avoid these type of partners or, and then it gives you kind of practical advice. And so I may do like a book review later on that. It's also listed under my must read book list, which is linked below, but essentially, you know, becoming securely attached, there's a few kind of key tenets of it. Right. And I walk through this process with a lot of my one-on-one clients and I won't go too deep into it, but I'll just kind of give like a quick little overview And so, yeah, when it comes to becoming securely attached, there's a few key things. But like I said, a big one is doing inner child work and reparenting yourself. And I'll do another episode on inner child work, so I don't want to dive too deep into it. But essentially going back to those younger versions of yourself, right, to where you experienced attachment injuries. And when I say attachment injuries, that essentially means key experiences where it, it, it created an injury and your ability to be securely attached. So maybe there was a time where your mother or your father rejected you or said a really harsh thing to you or could not meet your emotional need or shut you down when you cried or et cetera, et cetera, right? So it's creating those attachment injuries that can all lead to you becoming insecurely attached, right? And of course, I think secure attachment children, they experience probably a few attachment injuries, but it's like a ratio almost to where it's like, okay, out of every 100 attachment um, connection points or attachment experiences, you know, 80% are good or 80% or, you know, foster secure. Whereas I feel like if you're insecurely attached, maybe the percentage is like, 
you know, if you're anxious, you had a 40, 40, 60. If you're avoidant, maybe it was 80, 20 to where it was 80%. Your needs were not met 20%. They were, you know, that kind of thing. I don't know the exact math. But that's just kind of my own premise. But um, yeah, so going back to those younger versions of yourself and now coming in as a regulated adult version of yourself and being able to go back to that younger child version of yourself and give it that love, affirmation, and attention that it did not receive in childhood, right? And so there's a lot of inner child, you know, meditations and, you know, visualizing different things that can help you kind of tap into that. I won't go into all that now, but that's just one of the key things that can really help with becoming securely attached. Another is learning how to regulate your nervous system so that you're not going into fight or flight, um, shutting down or getting overly anxious, et cetera. And like I said, I won't go into that now, but that's just another key tenet. Um, another key part of becoming securely attached is the way you talk to yourself, right? And so kind of reprogramming negative core beliefs you have or subconscious beliefs, right? So if you're anxiously attached, you probably believe a lot of things like, I'm not worthy. I need a partner to be, you know, considered worthy. Everyone will leave. I'm not good enough. I'll be abandoned. I cannot trust myself. I cannot trust um my ability to make decisions, all guys are emotionally unavailable, et cetera. If you're willingly attached, your negative core beliefs or subconscious beliefs may be that I need to protect myself. I Only I can look out for myself. Being in a relationship will be smothering. I don't, you know, it's not safe for me to express my needs. I need to shut down when I get close so I don't get hurt, et cetera. If you have a fearful avoidant attachment, your subconscious um, beliefs may be, you know, yeah, I want love, but I don't think it's safe. Or can I really trust this person? Or I need to be by myself to keep myself safe. Or I need to be in a relationship to be safe. It's like it's kind of like a mixed match, right? And so being able to go in, identify those core beliefs and shift it to more to more secure attachment thinking, right? Secure attachment thinking sounds like, you know, in, in like dating relationships, it sounds like, yeah, I'm really interested in this person. I want it to work out, but if it doesn't, I'll be okay. You know, or it sounds like, yeah, I really, you know, I'm I'm ready for love. I want to be in a relationship, but if not, I'm a content being single, right? And it, or it looks like, you know, I can trust people with wisdom and discernment, or I am safe. I'm able to protect myself, um, and I'm able to allow God and others to protect me, right? I don't need to be a lone wolf. And so you can kind of start to see the difference between what secure attachment thinking sounds like versus anxious or avoidant attachment thinking. Another huge component of becoming securely attached is being able to sit with your own emotions and it kind of goes back to the um self-soothing and regulating piece essentially and and disorganized but with any any insecure attachment especially when it comes to the way you show up in relationships a lot of it comes from an inability to sit with and process your own emotions so you're going to these unhealthy mechanisms to cope right if you're anxious you're clinging to a relationship if you're avoidant you are you know shutting down you know becoming a lone wolf isolating yourself if you're disorganized, then maybe a little bit of both, right? And so becoming securely attached, a lot of it is being able to, okay, how do I feel? What does this feeling mean? And then how can I process it? How can I sit with myself and then show up still as a health in the, from a healthy place, right? So if you're feeling anxious, being able to sit with yourself, journal out how you're feeling, do some deep breathing, um, do some exercise, all these things that you can do to extract, to release the excess energy right now in your nervous system, right? To get you back to a regulated state so that you don't spiral into all these toxic thoughts or you don't start blowing up their phone or you don't start thinking the worst or thinking they're going to abandon you, right? And if you're avoidant, you know, instead of trying to cope by shutting down, it's like, okay, how can I be present with myself? How can I identify myself? How can I identify how I feel, right? How can I maybe challenge myself to maybe reach out to that friend or to my partner and express my need instead of getting upset that they're not meeting it, shutting down, then running away and never dealing with it again, right? And then asking yourself, okay, what about love feels so scary? Why am I so scared to open myself? 
And if you're anxiously attached, you can ask yourself, why am I so scared to be single? Or why do I feel like everyone's going to abandon me? So being able to do the inner work and really get to the root of why you're experiencing um, a lot of your insecure attachment, right? And be able to undo those lies of the enemy, the lies of your childhood, the lies of your trauma to become more securely attached. And kind of the last piece I want to hit on when it comes to becoming securely attached, which there's a lot more to it. I'm just kind of doing a little overview. So um, yeah, but and like I said before, I am a Christian and I do believe that I'll make another episode on this, but becoming a Christian, my relationship with God, you know, accepting God as my father, learning to, to to really live in his love has really helped me become more securely attached, right? Knowing I have a father that loves me, that's always there for me, that supports me, that wants the best for me, that is emotionally available for me, that looks out for me, creates so much security within myself, right? Because now I don't feel like I'm doing life on my own. I have to look up for myself or I have to, you know, and of course, like I still have to have boundaries and wisdom and things like that. Um, but at the same time, it's, there's so much peace in knowing that no matter what happens, I have a God who loves me, who protects me, who looks out for me. So that I, he never rejects me. He never abandons me and he never shuts me down. Right. So I don't need to go off and be a lone wolf and be hyper independent and self-sufficient. I can rely on God, but I also don't need to become, you know, codependent on others and super clingy because I have God who can first and foremost and perfectly meet my needs the way that no other person or human can and so that is a huge part with secure attachment. It's healing your relationship with God or your connection to God, where you view God. Um, and then also, which will lead to simultaneously you healing your relationship with yourself to be able to build self-trust and self-love and self-soothe and all these other things, which will organically shift the way you show up in dating and relationships. All right. So I think I'm going to end it here. I hope this episode was super helpful and just gave you some insight of what secure attachment looks like. You know, how is it developed in children? And what are things that I can start to repair in myself to become more securely attached, right? Maybe your work is, you know, feeling more valued, you know, feeling more seen and heard. And how can you give that to yourself? How can you know, tune into yourself and ask yourself what you need and meet that need? How can you make yourself feel seen? How can you make yourself feel emotionally safe? Right? How can you learn to regulate yourself and, and love yourself and also rely on others? Maybe if you have a tendency to be hyper-independent or learn how to build self-trust to, to rely on on God or how you feel if you lean more anxious and become more codependent. And yeah, once again, if you enjoyed this episode, please, please, please be sure to leave a rating and review. Please leave a rating on Spotify and a rating review on Apple Podcasts. And if you really, really, really want to spread the love, I would love if you took a screenshot of you listening to this podcast, posted it on your Instagram story, and then tag me at Erica Simon underscore so that I can see, repost you, connect with you, and see who's listening. So yeah, I love to know who's listening and just hear feedback. And yeah, I'm so thankful that you guys are here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for, yeah, just giving me your time. I'm super honored and I look forward to chatting with you in the next episode. In the meantime, have an amazing week and remember that you're loved by God, by me and by others and that there is hope. You don't have to stay stuck forever in your love life and you are able to experience the love that you want. It's already available. You just need to receive it. All right. Have an amazing week. Bye.